0: Would you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us the freedom and the grace and the permission to boldly approach your throne together as your people today. We recognize, God, that it's not because of how good we are, but because of how good you are that we have this privilege to be able to enter into your throne room, to lift up the name of Jesus, and to thank you for making an end to all of our sins. And because of that, we can come in confidence to your word this morning to listen to the voice of your spirit, not to be shamed or guilted into a life that you are forcing us to live, but to enter into the freedom of overcoming the sin and the brokenness of our lives in this world and to see the power of your presence and your spirit putting us back together. So I ask that you would speak to us through your word and through your spirit this morning. God, speak to each of us a word that we need to hear so that we know that we've met with a living God today and that as we go from this place, we go knowing that we are forever changed as we live our lives on journey with Jesus, fulfilling not only who you've created us to be, but discovering who even today you have called us to be. And we pray that you will be honored and glorified in all that we say and do. It's in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, that we pray. Amen. Hey, my name's Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome to you this morning. And wow, Anthony, Kirk, thank you for representing our leadership team, and they are your representatives. So a huge thank you to all of you. Uh, How humbling is it to be able to receive such an an honor this morning that uh, you guys are recognizing not only the the challenge that the staff has been through this last year, but uh, all of the ways that uh, God has been able to use us to help get us through this difficult, challenging season, which isn't over yet. And we don't know when it's going to be over. In fact, isn't that really one of the truths that we have to face as a part of going through this pandemic is that we are never in control of life in this world. And we can never know what's around the corner, what challenges we may face, what difficulties we will have to pursue, what, what, what will happen in the world around us that may seek to drive a wedge between us, to, to divide us, to break us apart, to, to conquer us in the name of evil. And what greater time for us to be able to respond to the call of Jesus, to stand in love and in unity together. Doesn't mean we always have to agree with each other. Doesn't mean we always have to get along. <laughs> but we can learn to reconcile and work through our differences and become better and stronger together. Amen. One of the challenges that I face in this season is a part of uh, the questions that we're asking in this season and I and I don't know if you have resonated with our series that we began 2 weeks ago but one of these questions that I think we need to keep asking ourselves even this morning is what do you want? As you come to church this morning as you go through your life this week and in this season of life what is it that you want? What are the desires of your heart? What are you truly wanting most deeply inside? Maybe another way to ask this question is not only what, but why. And that's the title of our series is Know Your Why. Because why isn't only a question of what we want and what our passions are and what our desires might be, but it's a question of purpose. Why do you do what you do? Why do you make the choices that you make? Why are you here today? Why are your priorities your priorities? The reality is that often what we choose to do with our lives is driven by the deeper question of why. That was the question that Jesus asked his disciples when they first came to him. I was imagining as we were singing the song, Boldly We Approach the Throne, we're coming to the throne of God and we're here to worship. And what if God on his throne turns and says, what do you want? what would your answer be this morning? Pastor Jeff last week took us through uh, the interaction of Jesus with his first disciples, where they came seeking him out, and he asked them that question, and they were like, uh, where are you staying? (laughs) Right? They didn't know how to answer that question. They weren't really sure what they wanted, And what we learned from Jeff last week is that we can discover our deepest why at the intersection of our passion and God's will for our lives. If you remember the first week when we introduced the series, we looked at Psalm 37, 4 that says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now I want to go a little deeper into that this morning because I think there's really two different ways that we could look at this passage. Right? We could read it as saying, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the things that your heart desires, which could also be interpreted as that uh, if you take delight in the Lord, he'll give you whatever you want. Is that how we understand God in our relationship? Sometimes I think we do. Sometimes we expect that if we do all the right things and if we have just enough faith and we pray the right prayers and we say all the right words that, that we're going to, we're gonna, Call on God's cause and effect plan that we're going to get God to do whatever we want Him to do, and He's going to give us the desires of our hearts. God, I want a million dollars. Is that what the Bible is saying? See, I think there's another way we could also understand this that might, that might modify our understanding a little bit. And I think for many of us, it comes from walking with Jesus over the long haul and discovering that the intersection of our passions and our desires with God's will helps us to understand where God is at work and how he's calling us forward in our lives. We could say, take delight in the Lord and he will give you desires in your heart He will place in you a passion for things that he longs to fulfill in your life. Rather than God will give you whatever you want, we come to understand that God creates desires in us that that come to to, to fruition and and that, that bubble up in us as we go through life seeking what God's will is for us. And that as we discover these passions, they lead us forward in new ways as we're seeking the fulfillment of those desires that God placed in us for that purpose. Another way to think about this is presented by Oz Guinness in his book, The Call, which is one of the books I want to recommend to you as part of this series. The subtitle is Finding and Fulfilling the central purpose of your life. It's an older book now, but but it's robustly intellectual and extremely reader friendly. So I would encourage you, if you're curious about your why and your passion and your calling in life, Oz Guinness's book is is wonderful. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of his introduction in there today. But Guinness says that we, what we discover in Jesus is that our life purpose comes from two sources at once, who we were created to be and who we are called to be. Now, you'll notice that the focus of both of those is on us, but the source of both of those is who? It's God. Guinness goes on to say that not only is this call of our creator the source of the deepest self-discoveries and growth in life, it gives our lives an inspiration and a dynamism that transforms them into an enterprise beyond any comparison. Doesn't that sound like an exciting life to live? An inspiration and a dynamism that transforms them into an enterprise beyond comparison. What do you want? for your life today? What are you seeking? Do you know your deepest why? You see, when we begin to realize that The source of our passions in Christ is also the same source of the fulfillment of those passions, and they're designed to be that way. We begin to understand that discovering who we are created to be and the fulfillment of who Jesus has called us to be are ultimately discovered only if we're seeking the source of both of those things. It also brings us to a greater understanding, I think, of Jesus' own why. Do you remember Jesus' why? He shared it in Luke 19, verse 10. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And Guinness says, when something more than human seeking is needed for seeking to be satisfied, let me say that again, when something more than human seeking is needed in order for seeking to be satisfied, then calling means that seekers themselves are sought. It's pretty poetic, right? Jesus is seeking seekers. According to the Bible, discovering our why then is a process of seeking the one who is seeking us. And this is the pattern that we see in Scripture. Uh, Our our goal today is is to help us to, again, think biblically about what does it mean to know your why, right? There's all kinds of answers out there in the world about how to know your why and how to fulfill your calling and how to discover life purpose. But we need to understand what the Bible says about knowing our why and our purpose for living so that we can think about these things in practical terms from a biblical perspective. So if we go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 4, we see that the Lord is disciplining the people of Israel, and he's telling them they're going to be scattered into exile. And in verse 27, he says, the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and only a few of you will survive among the nations to which the Lord will drive you. There you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. Ouch, that sounds not fun but he says in verse 29, if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all things have happened to you, then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him for the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. God is a merciful God. We go through difficult seasons of life, and sometimes the challenges of life are designed to, to wake us up and to draw us back to the God who loves us, who's called us to seek after him. In Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And so in his book, Guinness goes on and talks about how the term seeker is popular in Christian culture today, isn't it? We've heard that term seeker, right? Seeker-sensitive churches. (laughs) But in a more shallow and obscure way, the the term seeker has kind of been dumbed down to not even allow us to understand that, that from the very beginning of God's plan is that Jesus is seeking seekers. Too often, the word seeker is used to describe somebody who's spiritually unattached, right? They don't identify themselves as having any particular faith. But the reality, uh, Guinness says, is that these kinds of seekers aren't really looking for anything in particular. They're not even really seeking. They're really more drifting, right? We should have drifter-focused churches, (laughs) Little difference, he says, from the hoppers and shoppers who surf the media and cruise the malls of the postmodern world. Now, before we get too judgmental against seeker-sensitive churches, on the other hand, thinking of seekers in this way can also create a kind of false settledness for those of us who don't fall into that category of seeker, right? Those who are no longer seeking, if we think about it, have received all the answers they're looking for, There's nothing else to find. There's nothing else to discover. They've achieved the limit of their discovery and the depth of their experience. They've arrived, and now life really becomes simply about trying to maintain what we've already achieved. Sadly, I think this describes way too many Christians and too many churches today that are are banking on our faith from the past, but have had no new, fresh revelation or inspiration from the Holy Spirit to inspire us and to call us forward into the season ahead. Now, I would assume if you're like me at one point or another in each of our lives, we can find ourselves settling for what we already have. Because somehow that feels safer, it feels more comfortable, it feels less risky than launching out on a whole new journey in my older years. (laughs) How how could God call me into a whole new life when when I'm 75 or 80 years old? (laughs) You ever heard of Abraham? I'm only 15. How could God have a call in my life? I'm not even done with school yet. I'll worry about that later on. You know, you know. I, I, I've got enough to worry about right now. I think I'm fine with what I've got. True seekers, we discover are different. They're a different breed. They're a different animal. They're a different kind of personality. When you meet them, you feel their sense of purpose right away. You sense their energy and their excitement to discover what's around the corner, to experience something deeper than they've already experienced before. Something in them has awakened questions that they need answered. They have a sense of need that's forced them to to look at where they're at in life and to go on a quest to find a, a deeper sense of meaning and purpose. They've become seekers because something has spurred a quest for meaning and for value and they have to find an answer. And those people are fun to be around, aren't they? They catch us up in their energy. They pull us into their wake and they inspire other people to go on quest together. Sometimes This is inspired by a positive experience that we have. God shows up in a way and breaks through our our confusion and our cloud and the holiness of God just breaks us and we are inspired to to go on a journey with Jesus. But sometimes this can come from having a crisis of faith and difficulty in our lives as well. I remember when I was a youth pastor being a pastor's kid and growing up in the church, I had a, a pretty unique perspective I thought to share with some of the kids who were coming up in the youth group. And I remember we had youth group. It was a, a summer program, and so we were meeting in people's homes. right? And I remember this one evening, the youth group had gathered, and we were in someone's living room, and all the kids were sitting on the floor, and we had had our worship time and our talk, and now we were opening it up for for kids to share about what was going on in their life and what concerns they had. And I remember this one girl, she was a senior in high school. And I think it took all the courage she had to be, to be vulnerable and to be honest in the midst of all these kids at this youth group meeting. And she said, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. She's having a crisis of Faith. And she felt like growing up in the church and being this church kid, that how shameful and how awful it is to even make a statement, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. What would you say to that girl? Well, here's what I said. I said sometimes doubting our faith is a necessary step to owning our faith especially if you're a kid and you've grown up in the church and and your faith is the faith of your parents and the faith of your pastor and it's the faith, faith of your church. If you don't go through your own crisis of faith at some point and ask the question, not only is God real in a philosophical sense, but is God real to me? How will you ever be able to say that you believe in God because you've met God and you know he's real because you have a relationship with him, which is what the Bible says it's all about? Right? Jesus isn't a philosophical proposition of truth. He's a person who gave his life to be in relationship with you. And until that relationship becomes a real and abiding relationship for you, you're still seeking. Unless we're willing to ask the question, to seek out the answers in our own lives, our faith is not really our own faith. But the faith of our parents and ancestors and faith traditions and churches, men and women, as you come to church this morning, how much of your faith would you say is based on your past experience of life with Christ or the past history of of church here at Faith Covenant Church or other churches that you've been a part of? And how much of your faith today is based on a real and present and immediate experience of the living God in your life? Because that's what Jesus wants you to experience. That's what Jesus has called you to. That's what Jesus has invited you to realize, is that where your passions and the will of God meet in your life is the intersection of your purpose and your calling and your passion to understand that God is not done with you, but he has so much more for you to experience in life. Now, in contrast, as we said, there's a lot of voices out there in the world and in our culture that that tell us uh, there's different ways that we can discover life purpose, right? And if you're familiar at all with Eastern philosophy and and religions that come from Southern Asia, you know that, that in their view, desire itself is the problem, right? Desire isn't a good thing that can go wrong. It's actually evil itself. Desire keeps us bound to the world of suffering and illusion. And the solution, therefore, is not to fulfill desire, but to stop it altogether, to escape desire, to escape wanting, to escape everything. Finally, transcending life in this world, we enter a state of complete extinguishedness called nirvana, where we truly become nothing. Nothing. There's a rationalization there that is attractive to many people because it seems like it gives us an answer to find meaning. But the problem is, in emptying ourselves, we're missing the second half of why God created us is to be filled with the presence and the power of God. In contrast, the way of agape, the way of unconditional love that Jesus revealed through his sacrificial death and his resurrection on the cross affirms the importance of love and desire in the human heart. That God created us with passions and desires for a reason. But it also warns us that we have to be careful about what we give our loves to and the passions that we attach ourselves to. That it's not wrong to seek happiness, but we are often wrong in where we think our happiness is to be found. Thus, we can go back and remember the familiar teachings of Jesus, excuse me, one in Matthew 6, verse 31. He says, don't worry about, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, die to self and enter nirvana, become one with all things. That's not what Jesus said. No, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Or in Luke 11, verses 9 and following, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who seek nirvana, emptiness? Him. He's the gift. He's the goal. He's the purpose. He's the the end of life. He's why we were created. He's the, the call that we are to seek fulfillment in our lives. If you're looking for happiness, it's to be found in the source of the one who created you and the one who has called you to experience the very reason why he created you and why his son gave his life to be in relationship with you. Guinness says, the very fact that we humans desire is proof that we're creatures, that we are created beings, right? Incomplete in ourselves, we desire whatever we think is beckoning to complete us. You think, remember the Jerry Maguire movie? Oh, you complete me. How sad, right? When we put our trust and our hope in a human romantic relationship and somehow think that that's going to complete us. What tragic relationship breakups happen when we put too much expectation on one another to be the sole source of of meeting our needs and finding our happiness when all the while there's a true lover of our soul who is the one who says that they can fulfill that purpose which then allows us to love one another in healthy and appropriate ways. Yet God alone needs nothing outside himself, Guinness says, because he himself is the highest and the only eternally lasting good. So all objects we desire short of God are as finite and incomplete as we ourselves are, and therefore disappointing if we make them the objects of our ultimate desire. What do you want this morning? What are you seeking in your life? And how's that working out for you? You see, if the chasm between us and our greatest good, the thing that we most desire, the thing that we think is going to bring happiness to us, is to be bridged, it can't be bridged by our own wisdom and our own strength and our own effort. We're just not strong enough. It has to be bridged by the God who is the ultimate good. If we're to desire the highest good, the highest good has to come down and draw us to himself so that it may become the reality in which we live. And from this perspective, there's no merit then to seeking or finding. It's all about grace that comes as the free gift of unconditional love that was demonstrated in Jesus Christ. The secret of seeking is not Our human ascent to God, it's in God's descent to us. We start out searching. We are called and inspired to go on a quest to find meaning and purpose and happiness, but we end up finding out that we are the ones being sought. We think we're looking for something, but we end up finding at the end of the journey someone. And yet, even in that process, we also have to recognize that seeking itself can feel a lot like waiting, (laughs) right? We want answers now. We want quick fixes. We want to add water and stir and find the meaning and purpose of my life. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. (laughs) Discovering who we are created to be and who we are called to be by the God who made us and has called us to live for him can be the journey of a lifetime. And that's what discipleship to Jesus is all about. It's the long obedience in the same direction that Eugene Peterson said is a description of the consistent, enduring perseverance of seeking God's will for my life and finding the intersection where my passions that he's created in me match up with the will and purpose of God for my life? There are so many inadequate answers offered today for the reason of our existence, our reason for being, why we were put here on this planet. With so many approaches for the search to purpose, how are we supposed to decide which is the right one? Well, I'd like to suggest for us this morning as we wrap up that we not only have Jesus' explicit promise to you and to me that seekers will find, But we also have his direct example with his own disciples that show that seekers themselves are actually being sought. And is it just possible that when you came to church this morning, you came looking for something that was going to meet a need, to fill a niche, to to find hope or happiness or help or friendship or whatever it is you're looking for, not realizing it the whole time that God was here already seeking you. Seekers themselves are those, the Bible tells us, that discover and realize that they're being sought. What brings us home is not our discovery of the way home, but it's the call of the Heavenly Father who's been waiting here for us all along, whose presence itself is what makes home, home. And so we begin to discover our why, when we begin to discover in Christ who we were created to be and who we are called to be, which we discover at the intersection of our deepest passions and God's will for our lives. And so in the weeks ahead, we're going to drill down into our, our, our calling in Christ to be who He's created us to be, but also to discover what His calling is for each of us so that hopefully we can discover our deepest purpose and our greatest why. Would you pray with me? God, in the busyness and the hecticness, the craziness, the franticness, the fearfulness, the anxietiness, of life, the weightiness, the brokenness, the painfulness, we recognize this morning that you are here seeking us and calling us to become seekers of you. God, forgive us for the ways that we have settled for the gifts that you've already given us in the past, the the faith of our, our family and our church that we've relied upon and that we've lived in for all these years and have not allowed ourselves to experience that fresh inspiration and that calling from the presence of your spirit in the moment today. God, wake us up. Revive us again. Call us into a new future to discover your purpose and your calling out of who you've created us to be, but also the very passions and desires that you've placed in our hearts to find meaning and purpose and value in you. And God, as you reveal to us not only who you've created us to be, but who you have called us to be together as a faith community here at Faith Covenant Church, I pray that you give us the courage and the passion to lean into one another well, to recognize that you've invited us to be on journey together, and that through the presence and the power of your spirit together, we can lead one another home. And God, we will thank you and we'll praise you for the ways that you continue to seek us, even in our brokenness, in our pain, in our suffering, calling us to be put back together by the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, and we ask that you would reveal yourself to us again. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.